heard about Anchor, it is the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your own phone or computer. Anchor will also distribute your podcast so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more podcast platforms. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started today. Well, everybody, oh, how do I say this collectively? Like, you know, you heard it last night. You know my thoughts. It's not a happy Monday. It's not a victory Monday. And unfortunately, neither for my guest, uh, one, Tommy Stout. It's not victory Monday either. But uh, are, we, are we handling Monday okay after what happened last night? Or are you kind of in a dark place right now? Yeah, the uh, the night was rough, uh, but you know, woke up this morning, sun is shining, and on to another week of being a Bears fan. So, what are you gonna do? <laughs> you know what? I like how you put that word. She's like, on to another week of being a Bears fan, because like literally, <laughs> I feel like. I, so I listen to part of my take every, usually every week, uh, and especially during football season. And Big Cat basically summed it up perfectly, where he's just like. The like all his emotions summed up how a Bears fan feels right now, and I'm like, I feel like you're the exact same way. I don't know if you listen to it or not, but like how he's just like kind of tired of Matt Nagy, and like how it's just this whole prolonging process of like not playing Justin Fields and everything. Yeah, so actually that's funny because I did just listen to the uh, Bears segment on PMT like an hour ago or hour and a half ago or something like that. But yeah, I mean. Oh boy, disaster play coming up here. Uh, He, obviously, I don't want to say he speaks for the entire fan base because that's just like a ridiculous statement. But like everyone that I know, if you talk to them, they feel the exact same as Big Cat. Like you said, it's, you know, we're prolonging this whole thing so that Fields can come in at the end of the season and he'll play well. And then Nagy and Pace can be like, oh, see, we drafted him, but, uh, you know, he's still developing, so you got to keep us for another year or two years or whatever it is. And it's just, it's kind of, I feel bad for Dalton because obviously, I mean, he knows, we know, they know, everybody knows what's going on. But like, he's getting dragged through the mud and this, that, and the other thing, which I'm guilty of doing, but it's got to start with Nagy and Pace. Yeah, you know, it's just it's it's got to come down to those two. Um, at the same time, too, and a lot of people, there's a few people out there who've been kind of claiming to this, and you've said this before too, because this is now your fourth time on here. But I feel like a lot of the time, Ted Phillips never really gets recognized for responsibility with the organization because he's been there for over 20 years. So maybe they do kind of like what happened in Washington with Bruce Allen, where maybe if they clean house, they clean it completely, and then uh, Ted, like somehow, Ted, it's the end of Ted's time too with the Bears. But at the same time, too, who really knows where? Uh, it's George, is it George McCaskey is the name under uh, Virginia's son? Yes, you are correct. Okay. Like, I just feel like that, too, where it's like something's got to give, but at the same time, too, I feel like Pace can go to, like, Phillips, and then Phillips and them can go with the McCaskies at the end of the season and be like, hey, you know, Justin's still Justin, but at the same time, too, it's it's got to be shit or get off the pot. I feel like the fact that he played last night, the fact that he had a touchdown – you can't just have him sit on the bench. You you got to start him eventually. And I think this Sunday is a true proving te- a proven test because you're playing a Bengals team who got a pretty good win over the Minnesota Vikings, which I know you probably love to see. But if you guys go out there and lose to the Bengals, I you're going to hear a lot of people from Chicago calling for Fields to start the Week Three game. Which I'm trying to remember who it's against because I know Week Four is the Lions, but uh, I think maybe the Ravens Week Three. So I feel like yeah, if 
all doesn't go well against Cincinnati, I think you can put it off. Like, you have to start him against Baltimore. But if Dalton goes out there, looks fine against the Bengals, you can prolong it. And then I still see that benchmark for him actually starting is that week four game against the Lions. Yeah, I think it'll all come down to, like, so I want to say it'll all come down to how much heat, um, you know, Pace and Nagy are feeling. Like you said, you know, the kind of unwritten name in this whole thing. And if I recall correctly, I believe we've talked about this before as well, so I won't go too deep on it, is, you know, Ted. Uh, Like you said, he's been around 18 million years, and he's always kind of working behind the scenes, making decisions, not making decisions, whatever it may be. And he just never gets any heat at all, it seems like, other than from, like, super, super dedicated Bears fans who look at it and go, hey, like, wait a minute, like, there's this other guy here. Um, I can't see him. I can't see the McCaskies. I can't see anyone putting any heat on uh, Pace and Nagy right now, with the exception of the fans. Now, if the fans voice their opinions loud enough, then maybe things will change. But I feel like we've been doing that for the past two years. So I think at this point, it's kind of a a thing where it's not going to happen. But yeah, I think sooner rather than later, we're going to have to see fields in at the very least, like splitting snaps, but more than likely, like he's the guy. Because I mean, the end of the day, look, he is. That's it. No, 100%. I lifted up while you were talking. Um, Ted joined the organization in 1983, but he's been the president since 1999. So he's been there. This is now his 22nd year with the team. Um, and even to – he's only the fourth president in team history apart from George Hallis, obviously Papa Bear, Michael McCaskey, and I believe George – like I think I think it's a George Hallis Jr. So the fact that in the 100-plus year history of the franchise, there's been only four presidents is remarkable. But, yeah, at the same time, too, the – apart from, I'd say, the 2006 season, the 2010 season, there's nothing really that Bears fans can claim to be, you know, like a complete success. I know I know it was a Super Bowl loss and an NFC Championship game loss, but those were years where, look, the Bears actually went far, as I see a kid dressed as Chucky really creeping me out. (laughs) Like, I just saw them, they're showing crowd shots of, like, the fans going loud, and I see a kid in a headset with Chucky. I was like, what the fuck? I'm glad I'm not the only one who saw that. Yep, and for folks, those of you wondering, yes, I am record. We are recording right now as the Ram, as uh, the Rams, the um, Raiders and Ravens play. So if you have live reactions during that, that's that's why. But now back to your Bears. It's just like I we talked about this off air too. The I was surprised because the front seven looked fine. David Montgomery had a really good game. Uh, it was just the secondary, like they, the secondary was the weak spot, and you have Eddie Jackson, who I believe got a new contract in the off season back there, like. It's like one of those things where I'm just like, look, they have to figure it out. And obviously, too, it's a new defensive coordinator. Chuck Pagano obviously retired. But uh, the Bears, it's just – I remember for years they were always like a punching bag of mine. But now I kind of want to see them like, you know, kind of get things right. But who knows when that will actually be. Yeah. And so coming into the season, the secondary was definitely a question mark. I didn't think it was going to be like this because anyone who saw the game last night knows, oh, my God, it was like – maybe the worst performance I've ever seen out of a secondary. I mean, it was bad. And I think, you know, Eddie, he's had like, well, I think really it was just the one, one and a half years where he was just an elite, like ball hawking guy. And 
he's just he hasn't been that at all and in fact he's been like bad for the last two years which has been a crazy turnaround and like you said the new money doesn't help matters kind of makes it hurt a little bit more just another uh notch and pace his belt going out and giving money to someone who probably doesn't deserve it um but yeah i mean there was also videos some people have seen and some people probably haven't but videos i guess just came out yesterday of i think it was probably training camp and eddie jackson was like talking to the other secondary guys he's like oh you know I i'm not trying to tackle him i'm trying to like knock him down or something like that it's like dude <laughs> Yeah, you should probably try tackling them once or twice because it was it was painful to watch. And it's kind of a flip of the script from what I expected. I thought, you know, with Dalton, with the offensive line, I thought the offense was going to be horrible. And it was yet again going to be our defense that kind of keeps us in the game. Not saying the offense was great because it wasn't, but like they did a lot better against the Rams than I thought they would, which is kind of pathetic considering, you know, it's not like we scored a whole bunch of points at all, but it's just, it was a weird, weird game, everything. Yeah, like, exactly, because you kind of hate those kind of games where it's like your offense does enough, but then the defense made a few mistakes to where, you know, it cost you guys in the long run. Like, I, had a, I, I said this last night on my postgame pod with the Pats where it was the same sort of thing and with them in Miami because both teams played similar style games where – it just came down to which offense made less mistakes was going to win the football game. In this case, obviously, I know it's different. Matt Stafford looked great. But at the same time, too, I feel like if the Bears want to win the secondary, can't let explosive plays happen all the time when you play these high-flying teams. Because like the Bears still have to play. The, I know the Packers got killed yesterday, but the Packers have Devontae Adams, uh, Justin Jefferson with Minnesota. Uh, you guys play Tampa this year. Like There's those games where if you – don't let those weapons get contained. They're going to burn you and they're going to burn you bad. And that's the thing. A lot of people are kind of battling within the bears fandom, you know, this morning, especially, but even throughout the day, uh, like there's a lot of people saying, Hey, you know, we're not always going to be playing the Rams. Cause let's face it. The Rams are good. Like, it's not like we got beat up by some terrible team. Like I'll give them that. Does that excuse the performance? Absolutely not. But some people are using that as like, a mental bargain with themselves, I guess, where they're saying, Hey, you know, we're going to play bad teams too. And this and that it's like, sure. But if you want to have any success in the NFL, like you're going to have to beat a good team or two eventually. So it's just like, our brains are so broken. I mean, mine included. So it's, yeah, I don't know. It's just, it's frustrating. It is what it is, but it's frustrating, man. Oh no, I, I, I get that. I get that completely a hundred percent because look, when you're one of those teams that could potentially be that like fringe playoff team, you're going to have to go out there and win a couple of games that you're not supposed to win. Like look at you guys last year with the infamous Thursday night game against the Buccaneers. Like you're going to have to like all, and that's not just like the bears, but that's all, all of the fringe playoff teams are going to have to go out there and have performances like that where, you know, you go out there and you shock the world. Kind of like what we saw yesterday in a few games where not so much was it shocked the world, but there were some other results in the NFL where it kind of caught people off guard. Yeah, and obviously, to me at least, the Packers are the big one. Love to see that one. It's just, I mean, I'm I'm going to, because I'm a Bears fan and my dumb brain can do this, I'm going to convince myself that, oh, it was just a weird week in the NFL and the Bears secondary isn't actually that bad. In reality, it almost certainly is, but 
I'm going to chalk it up to first week. It was a wacky week, and off we go to week two. Yeah, exactly. But, like, it was, like, I felt a lot of teams, though, where you got some weird performances. Like, Buffalo, for example. um, Tennessee was another one I was saying off camera. It's like, Tennessee, for me, was a team where I thought going into the week, I'm like, you know what? They're going to cover. They're going to take care of business. No problem. Everything's going to be fine. When in reality, they got killed 38-13. to Buffalo, like, just looked really plain and, like, just, like, yeah, plain. Like, they didn't do anything special. Excuse me. And then you had the Packers, which is just a big one of the day, where I remember looking at the scoreboard at one point. I'm like, okay, it's 10-0. I'm like, all right. And then it was 17, and then I saw 31, and I'm like, what the fuck is going on here? Like, it's just results like that where it leads to week one overreactions. And honestly, I, I know some people hate it, but I honestly love seeing the week one overreactions because – in like two months from now, that's all it can be, where it's just like, oh, yeah, that happened. It's fine. Or it can be unraveling of something even worse. Yeah, and I think that's also a good thing to me because, I mean, with the NFL season comes the overreaction. So it's nice to kind of, you know, have those overreactions back, even though, obviously, my week one overreaction is very negative. Uh, it's just, you know, it's nice to have it back. It would be better if it was like a more positive overreaction, like, oh my God, we're going undefeated and win the Super Bowl. Justin Fields is the greatest. But, you know, I'll, I'll take what I can get here. Well, I mean, we're getting that from I, the, well, the, the few fan bases where I'm seeing right now where you're getting an overreaction like that is um, the Philadelphia Eagles, who went out there yesterday in like 30, it was 32 to 6, which to me was one of the more shockers of the day. But then I think at the same time, you have that quick realization where it's, no, the Atlanta Falcons are just that team where you know they need to rebuild, but they're putting it off for as long as they can because they still want to pretend like everything's fine. But no, it's not. Yeah. And there's, like you said, that's probably, to me, that and the Packers are the big ones. There were some other, like, weird games, but I think those are definitely the most weird. Um, it's just, you know, the best way I can put it is it was a weird weekend watching football because – kind of everything where I said, Hey, this is going to happen. It was like, well, actually the opposite happened other than of course, you know, they left too much time for Brady as always. Um, and then Mahomes stages the comeback and those two are, you know, kind of everlasting, but other than that, you know, everything was weird. <laughs> Yeah, exactly, because like when that Dallas game though, going into that game, I know some people were saying like it was ESPN mainly. They're going like, "Oh, Dallas is going to get killed. This is going to be a bloodbath." And I'm like, "Yo, the um, the Cowboys are going to cover." And I remember my my dad actually called me crazy for that because we're in a spread pool together. And I told him, I said, "Take Dallas." It was at seven and a half. I said, "Take the points." And what happened? I lost by two. But yeah, no. As soon as they kicked that field goal with a minute 24 left. I'm like, yeah, you just left too much time on the clock. Brady's going to go down there and march downfield and win this game. Like you've seen that chapter written way too many times. Like it's just, you knew it was coming. Yeah. And at this point, like you said, you know, that chapter has been written so many times it might as well be a dictionary because it just happens every single time, which is what made the, uh, the bears game last year. So crazy. And that's why I overreacted to it so much. It's like, Oh, this never happens. But actually, I had like a, a similar thing, except the opposite. Uh, last week at work, uh, one of he's not a coworker, but he's like a he's a regular. He came in. He's like, you know what? I think I think Dallas has got a, like a chance here. I was like, oh, you're crazy. You know, they're going to lose by a thousand. But yeah, I mean, it's just 
it comes down to Tom Brady. It really does. And obviously that's a couple of days in the past at this point, but I'm still always thinking about Tom Brady and what it must be like to have a quarterback like that. It was fantastic. I can tell you that much, but um, no, but even going back to the Cleveland Kansas city thing, like it was the same thing too. I took the points on Kansas city to cover, but I knew Casey was going to win the game more or less, not the timing aspect of it, because I feel like when it comes down to who can drive the field and get you a game winning drive, like I'm always going to put my money on Tom, but at the same time too, my thing with Mahomes is just you can't take the, your foot off the gas. Any defense you're playing, if we saw it in the playoffs two years ago, hell, we saw it in the Super Bowl against Kansas. Uh, I was going to say against Kansas City, against San Francisco, where if you give him time to come back, you're gonna get burned. So, you know what? It's just it was it was Casey doing Casey things, but man, Cleveland is a team to not to be messed with. Like everyone's gonna look at it and go, oh, Cleveland, Cleveland, like they have this bad opening day record, but. Man, the fact that they went toe-to-toe twice against the Kansas City Chiefs says a lot. And I know it goes back to last year's playoffs, but still. If they had that – what was up? Okay, Derek Carter's threw an interception. Um, yeah, but, the, like, the uh, Cleveland Browns are a team not to be taken lightly anymore. Like, they're not – it's not like the whole, oh, the Cleveland Browns suck. No, it's the Cleveland Browns are a legit football team. Yeah, and I remember, you know, obviously, I think it's fair to say that Baker had a had a rough start. You know, everyone that was anyone was saying, oh, you know, Baker's the next Johnny football. He's just like he's got all this hype and then he comes in and he's nothing. But they're they're building a nice little team there in Cleveland. I'm not I'm obviously not saying they're like, oh, they're going to win the Super Bowl. I guess they could. It's the beauty of football. But like they've got a nice, solid team that can be very competitive. And if everything comes together, you know, who knows? Maybe they do make a run. 100% 100% I agree with you there. Um, and I think that may have been an inter- uh The ball may have touched the ground before the receiver, ca- the, uh, the defensive back caught it, by the way. Yeah, the, Ra- the Raiders are about to punt. So that was uh, not an interception. Um, the other result I want to look at yesterday, I want to talk about quickly, is the Jets Panthers game. Because against the Carolina defense, which I call on the show that could be, it's kind of underrated. Like, I think Brian Burns could potentially be a DPOY candidate. Um, if Zach Wilson continues to play this way, or the Jets' O-line does, Zach Wilson's going to hurt himself. And now I know I'm a Patriots fan. I hate the Jets. But I legitimately believe that where the – I think he got sacked six times against the um, Carolina defense, which isn't one of the best defenses in the league. He's got the Pats defense to worry about now and then the Broncos defense. So that offensive line's got to sure it up. or Otherwise, you know what, it could be bad for Wilson. And you don't like you don't want to see anyone get hurt, but – that's just one that's one takeaway I had from that game. Yeah, and that's kind of like a similar thing that I've been dealing with. I've seen a few Jets fans, you know, I'm not super locked into the Jets fan base, but I've seen a few just through social media or whatever say, "Hey, like if if this line keeps playing like they are and obviously Zach's got a lot of talent, like he's a really good player, but it could turn into a situation where like of course you want to see him out there, but every play, every time he drops back and you see that line start to collapse, it's like, Oh, is this the play where something's going to happen? And I kind of had that same feeling about fields. Like anytime he would drop back. uh, I mean, I guess he was only in for like four or five plays, but of course I was hyper fixated on him. So just anytime I saw him in the game, I was like, Oh my God, like offensive line, please hold, please hold. And it's just, you know, it sucks to have that mindset because like you should be enjoying it as much as possible. But as a fan of the team and even just 
like as a fan of football in general, you have to think about that stuff because you got to, at the end of the day, you know, protect the asset that is supposed to be the future of your franchise. No, no, 100%. Yeah, you, like, you can't have him running for his life the entire time because that's when like stuff starts to happen. Like even look at Daniel Jones yesterday where I even saw, like I'm not a Giants fan by any means, but I've, I'm connected to do a bunch on Twitter. And um, they were tweeting like, look, we're done making excuses for Daniel Jones. Like he had a bad game yesterday. Like you, like if I'm a Jets fan right now, you don't want Zach Wilson going down that rabbit hole or where he goes out there and the old line messes up. You're thinking, is this the play where my quarterback gets hurt? Like you said, there's just, there's just so many factors to think about. Cause like, look, you have this guy who has the potential to be your franchise and you don't want to fuck that up because we all know the Jets truly haven't had any real success in 10 years. Yeah. 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 It's, it sucks, but I mean, you know, like I said, as a football fan, that's stuff you got to think about. And it's all part of putting the season together, putting the team together. And hopefully, you know, I mean, for me, hopefully the Bears, but for Jets fans, hopefully, you know, it's something that they can build on and just keep improving, keep improving. And at some point, maybe, you know, it turns into something. You just never know. Oh, no, no, no. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, but obviously, going back to the point we're talking about earlier with the NFC North, not with the Bears, but with the Packers, I love how all the networks, like when a team gets upsettingly shocked like that, they want to focus more. Oh, how did the Packers lose this game? Like, I hate how, like, they'll, like, they won't go, oh, hey, the Saints played really good and did this. Instead, it's the whole, um, yeah, you know, the Packers lost, and hey, the Saints happened to do this and this well. It's just, I like to fo- always like to, I like to see network TV more focus on, hey, you know what, the Saints did this, 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 and this. Jameis Winston looked great. He threw for five touchdowns. The defense really clamped on Aaron Rodgers, whether he mailed it in or not. I'm just saying, look, I would like to see network TV recognize that more, like, for what it is. Don't just hide it. Like, recognize, hey, one team played really well compared to the other. Oh, yeah. And, like, obviously, as a Bears fan, I personally love seeing everyone rag on the Packers and, oh, is Rodgers, does he have one foot out the door, all that stuff. But, dude, the Saints played so well, like, I'm sure there's some way they could have improved, but not by much. Cause they just, to me, like played the absolute perfect game. Cause it's not easy to completely just shut down an Aaron Rodgers green Bay Packers offense. And that's what they did. And then on top of it, obviously they scored about 18 million points at the other end. So it, yeah, I mean, it was a perfect storm and I get, you know, the TV networks have their storylines and they got to get those headlines out there. But yeah, I mean, credit to the saints, man, they were something. No, exactly. Um, the one thing though, I will say though, like, you know how they say some teams look good through losses. Like there's only, I think one that can really hang their head on looked good through a loss. And that would, that would have to be Detroit in my opinion. Like I know they, they're Detroit, but the fact that they didn't really give up, like they, like, I think in the years past, you'd see a Detroit team just kind of give up and mail it in for the rest of the game. But the Lions yesterday, like I said to you earlier, like they came back and they they uh, managed to cover the spread against the San Francisco 49ers. So a team who looked really good yesterday. But at the same time, too, I feel like this Lions team, they're not going to win a lot of games, but I don't think they're going to go down without a fight in a lot of them. Yeah, I agree. I think I'm not sure if it was last night or this morning, um, but I think Akuda was it Achilles and he's out for the year, if I remember yes, correctly. Jeff, Jeff Akuda tore, uh, tore his Achilles. He's done for the season. Yeah, so that will obviously hurt them. Um, he's been solid, but it's, you know, they're just one of those teams that 
I just kind of look at and I'm like, yeah, they're there. They'll have, they'll, they will have their, there we go, scrappy wins and they'll keep games close. I'm, you know, I'm going to hesitate to call myself a believer that they're going to, you know, keep this energy up the whole season. But, you know, stranger things have happened. So it's definitely possible. I just, you know, it's one of those things where I've seen, just like I've seen the Bears do the same thing for years. I've seen the Lions do the same thing for years. So we'll see how long it lasts. Yeah, exactly. Like, but when I say that, by the way, like they're going to be four, they're going to be four and thirteen. But I'm just saying, like, I don't think, like, even yesterday too with uh, Houston, like, no one expected that. Which um, I'll get into that in a sec. But with the Lions, I'm just out here to say, like, they've got some pieces. We'll see whatever the hell happens with that DeAndre Swift news. But TJ Hawkinson's going to be a, a top ten tight end in this league. Yeah. If they can get yeah, a they got court. some pieces, man. And they also, too, in my opinion, they have a very underrated offensive line. If Panay Sewell can be uh, can come into form and exceed expectations, they have some really good chances to be a, one of the better offensive lines in the game. Must be nice. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. There's there's so many things about them where it points to the positive. Like I said, I'm biased, so I'm not even going to act like I'm you know neutral commentator here. But, yeah, I mean, if they keep putting it together and they can figure out the mentality of it all, they could be, you know, something in a couple of years here. Obviously, I hope not, but like I said, we'll see. I mean, I'm in the same position right now with the AFC East where I know Buffalo's a good team. Like, I think a lot of people are going to look at yesterday and be like, oh, hey, one-year wonders, like, what are the Bills? I'm just here to say, like, I think the Bills was a bit of a blip in the radar. I think they just kind of came out flat-footed. We didn't know what to expect if – they go 0-2. I think it's one of those things where, you know what, you look at it a bit and go, hey, what's going on here? But Josh Allen has a habit of going and playing with Dolphins and basically being like daddy's home. So I'm not too, too worried about them going into week two, but we'll we'll have to wait and see on them with that. Um, the thing I was going to get with the Texans, though, is with their win, um, if, as you heard here a few weeks ago, Big Rat and I, I picked them for survival, paid off. Um and that's one thing I wanted to get into. I don't know how how close you are with college football, if you follow it as closely as the NFL. Like, I know you obviously went to a Mac school, but um, with, the, with the Jaguars, there were reports coming out, or people are starting to say that um, Urban Meyer could potentially leave the Jags and go coach USC next year. So we'll see what comes of that. Really? USC, I had not heard that. Yeah, UFC, USC uh, fired Clay Helton today. I don't know why or for what reason, but as soon as that happened, there was that. And um, Reddit actually had a re- it was a report I saw on Reddit. Believe it or not, I gotta think I gotta look it up again. But uh, yeah, literally, it's like the first report. Um, every network USC coach fired Clay Halton. Everyone makes the same Urban Meyer joke. Everyone is saying that it's the same thing. Basically, a lot of news sources have picked it up. Even. Uh, it was a Trojans wire on Twitter basically was saying that everyone's starting to connect the dots of like, Hey, urban's going to go coach the Jags. But I still think that if, if shit doesn't go well for um, Meyer, I could see him gone after this year. I thought maybe you'd give him a year or two, but man, that was also, this is a crazy thing. Yesterday was Trevor Lawrence's first regular season loss of his, of his, like, I think of his life, like high school, college pro. That's fucking insane. Yeah, to to be that good, and I mean, obviously, that's not built with just Trevor. He had talent around him. But to have that record, like, that stat just made my brain go haywire for a second. I was like, wait, what? That's uh, 
you know, obviously that was going to happen. It's not like anyone thought the Jags were going to go undefeated, but yeah, I mean, he's just got to get that loss out of the way and keep being him. I think he's super talented. Uh, Obviously, I think he's maybe the second or third best quarterback in the draft behind Fields and whoever you want to throw in there. Um, But yeah, sure. I don't know. We disagree on that, but that's okay. I think it's probably uh, Trevor, Zach, uh, Fields, or (laughs) Trevor, Zach, Fields, whatever. Uh, Fields, Zach, Trevor, Mack. There we go. That's me. Um, I'm sure that'll probably come back to bite me at the end of the season when Mac is somehow leading the Patriots to the Super Bowl with 18 million yards and all that. But yeah, I mean, listen, Trevor's got talent. He's not exactly in the best situation, but you know, it's another thing where, like I've said a million times here, if they build around him, that's a great centerpiece to have. So the question is, are they going to build around him? Tony Khan. Yeah, that's the big thing right now, because I say this before, where Tony Khan runs a better wrestling promotion than he does a football team, which football comes <laughs> first for them. But I think for Tony, wrestling's been coming first, which is not necessarily a bad thing. As you know, Tommy and I, Tommy, AEW fanboy, Griffin, slowly becoming an AEW fanboy uh, fan, not a fanboy yet. Or actually, you know, Tommy is our resident AEW shell. Um, yes, correct. Yes, <laughs> Tommy is the official AEW shell of YWC Football Talk until I have one of Ryan Falcone or the one of the Radar Boys on the show. Um, but you know what? Actually, no. Tommy's going to hold that title forever. Um, my thing with Trevor, too, is I think if he recognizes, hey, stay here for the long haul. They're going to build something around me. We can build something special for a small market team. It can be special. Urban, on the other hand, I think if he sees it's going bad, I can see him just bouncing because if – USC also throws like a money bag at them, which we all know college football is more than capable of doing that. They won't hesitate. Yeah, I was going to say, like, I'm not a huge Urban Meyer guy. I'm not in on like his mentality, but the money flying around football and college football in particular, like, yeah, he could say, hey, you know, stuff's not working out here. See you later. I'm going to go make millions and millions and millions and millions per year at you know, USC or whatever. I hadn't seen that, but hey, you know, nothing would surprise me. No, no, me, me neither. And um, also just looking at other results from Sunday. Um, the one thing I'll say about the Denver Broncos quickly is if they keep Teddy Bridgewater as their starting quarterback, this team has potential. If they pull Teddy or Teddy gets hurt, this team is not going to the playoffs at all. I think they're a potential playoff sleeper with Teddy. And they kind of showed that yesterday because Teddy Bridgewater, actually, you put him in the right situation, he can flourish. Yeah, and that's one of the few games that, you know, I didn't watch too much, so I won't have too much input. But there was a huge Teddy conversation in Chicago during the offseason because for like two seconds, people were connecting the Bears. Oh, you know, Teddy's going to come here. And then, of course, it was he's either the best quarterback of all time or the worst quarterback of all time and all the extremes that the fans come to. So, you know, I don't have too much on that. But, yeah, I'm. I'm not a Broncos guy personally. I don't think they're going anywhere. No, not, neither am I. I'm just, I'm just saying that like he looked good. Um, I only saw a bit of the game. Like I said, I saw more of it through Angry Giants Twitter because the that game was obviously when the uh, Patriots game was on. And I said it yesterday, and I'll say it again. My only thing was that look, Mac looked good. I said, I by the way, when I said Mac earlier, I only said that because like how you're pumping your guys' tires, I have to pump my guys' tires. That's just that's how it. I goes. know. I got gotcha. you. Uh, and I, res- I respect I respect that, and I respect you for doing it too. Um, like I think he looked good. It's just this deep. Like our 
our game yesterday was similar to yours. Like our secondary let them make way too many plays. Is Marlon? Man, I keep saying this. Marlon Humphrey's one of the best cornerbacks in the league. Um, losing a train of thought. Um, but with the Patriots, if their secondary and the defense can figure their shit out and not let crazy plays happen, and the offense can limit turnovers, this is going to be a good football team. Because if I, I seriously do think that if that Damian Harris fumble does not happen, we win that football game. And yeah. I hate doing the what ifs with football, but it's it's what you do. Right. Yeah. That's that's part of being a fan. You say you hate it one second, and two seconds later, you're like, ah, well, but what if? Um, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's at the end of the day, like for my entire life, they're always going to have this mystique of, oh, it's the Patriots, so they're going to find some way to put together like a a 13, 14, 15 win season, no matter what. I'm just convinced that they always will. Um, so, I mean, like I said earlier, I kind of alluded to it. I wouldn't be surprised if Mac Jones turns into Tom Brady. Um, I, I, I think he's super talented. I just personally take digs at him because he's on the path. So I'm like, no, he can't be good. Like let someone else win. Damn it. It's all good. I completely understand. Um, the only other two things I want to say about Sunday's games before I just have a actually quick hot take about this game. Uh, if you're a betting man and you can still bet live bet the under the under is, I believe, let me just get a quick look at here. Cause I know Baltimore has got a spread at plus four, um, uh, three, excuse me, 50.5. So if you're betting bet the under in this football game, um, the only other takeaways I got from yesterday is that if Cliff Kingsbury is going to keep his job, Kyler Murray single-handedly going to do it because Jesus Christ, he looked fucking phenomenal yesterday. I think I forget who it was. I think Jay Cutler might have tweeted this. Like Kyler Murray is just a video game character. He is like <laughs> he's preposterous in every way, like in a positive way. He's crazy. Twenty-one for thirty-two, two hundred eighty-nine yards, four touchdowns, one rushing, and a, one interception with a quarterback rating of one twenty-one point, like of one twenty-one. That's near. That's near perfect. I believe one thirty-three is a perfect quarterback rating. So. He only missed 11 passes yesterday. And also, yesterday everyone was reminded of, yeah, you know what, DeAndre Hopkins is a good receiver. <laughs> yeah, it turns out, breaking news, right? Yeah. He had that two, he had that two hand, he had that just play where he just got his feet in bounds, and I'm like, that's where the best receivers are, the ones who can just get their feet in bounds like that and make an amazing play. Yeah, and those two, those two together, I mean, as much as we're pumping them up individually, like, that's a nightmare for a defense, and it's an absolute dream for, like, if you're a fan of that team. Because they're electric, so they're fun to watch, but also they're just damn good, which I'm very jealous of. So I'm going to say that I hate them. But, yeah, it's it was awesome. I view it as, like, well, Kyler Murray for me, I've always, been a, I've always been a Kyler Murray fan. It's just I feel like Arizona just always puts themselves in these positions where they eventually cough it up and lose. Like, the last two years, like, obviously last year he got hurt. So I do especially think with him, though, where with Arizona, if he stays healthy, they can be a playoff team. If he's not healthy, they're not going anywhere. And also, I think this year, too, is you've got to make the playoffs if you're Kingsbury or you're fired. Yep. Yeah. And it's kind of – it is funny. Like, talking about it, it does kind of come down to Kyler, doesn't it? That's a – good luck, kid. No pressure. Exactly. I actually tweeted that out yesterday, the whole – um I tweeted out basically saying Kyler Murray's going to save Cliff Kingsbury's job single-handedly. Like, I didn't watch the whole game. It was a lot of red zone stuff, but I was just, like, watching it. But I was watching red zone being like, this is just – it was like serotonin. Yeah. 
he's yeah. i mean i can't i could go on for hours about this kid he's like if i play madden and i'm not playing as the bears i'm just running around with kyler making eighteen thousand yard throws and running for a million yards he's like in real life he's like what i want him to be on the video game which again i believe was a jay cutler thing that i'm absolutely stealing from him but he's he's one of my personal favorites to watch in the entire league he's just i mean like i said i could go on and on about him yeah um one observation i'll make quickly from this game is the raiders defensive line has been making some pretty okay tackles against these baltimore runners now obviously they let the one run go but man villanueva just blew his assignment there and they let uh, 96 i'm trying to get a name uh made a nice tackle on the baltimore running backs just a little quick side note with that game um i also want to apologize to any seahawks fans out there because i i was wrong i said the seahawks weren't gonna make the playoffs this year uh i think if russell wilson plays this consistent throughout the year they're going to the playoffs yeah i mean again russell's another one of those guys where he just always seems to find a way. And I mean, he's super, super talented. He actually, I don't know if he still does it, but he used to do like an annual football camp at my uh, college, NIU. So that's a fun little tidbit there. Um, but he was, like you said, if he keeps it up, it's dangerous, man. He's just so good. I believe his Twitter handle is Dange Russell Wilson for Russell Wilson for a reason. So, yep. You kind of put two and two together. Um, I, I think I think we covered all the bases for all the games. Now I know we didn't go into all of them, folks, but I, I had to let Tommy, you know, vent and get his frustrations out. Um, I'm going to come on here right now because the betting odds actually have been released for week two. I don't know if you looked at them yet, but you guys, uh, you're a three-point favorite against the Bengals, so we'll see what happens there. Uh, but the one I want to talk about in particular is Thursday night because next time I'll be on air, the game already started. So obviously to place your bets before there. Um, football team at a three and a half point favorite giant against the giants with the over under being at 41 and a half. I'm saying this right now, the under will hit. So if you're betting, bet the under. Okay. Yeah. Because I just look even yes. Oh, that was the one game we forgot about too, which Justin Herbert, another, another quarterback in the league. I like, um, yep. he was good. Washington is just. Like the the Giants football team game, it just screams like you know a twenty to seventeen feel where it's just like something like that. Daniel Jones for some reason always plays his best football against them, so I I want to lean towards the Giants, especially too after the Fitzpatrick injury. But Taylor Heineke can be okay, but I don't know who I want to win yet. But that's all I'm going to say is I think that spread gets covered regardless, and the under hits. That's all, that's all I got to say because I got to see what else. Because man. At this point, it's it's just up to Daniel Jones and that offensive line. If those two can find something, or even even two, Saquon Barkley, like he's got to figure it out. But for all I know, Saquon's going to rush for like 150 yards, and they're going to beat the Giants. Like, or the Giants are going to be the football team, like 31 to nothing. <laughs> yeah, I I usually don't like unders, but I'm feeling the under on that one as well. Well, it's like it's like the famous Dan Katz says, "Life is too bet, life is too short to bet the the under." You're damn right. You're damn right. But it's just there's some games. I'm I, to be honest. Whenever I go to the like, whenever I go to bet, I'm always scared to bet the under because I'm like, it's just like you're praying for points not to happen. Like I'd rather pray for points to happen. But I think if I'm betting, if I'm going to bet this game, which I may, I think I'm going to have to go with the under. Yeah, and I agree. It does suck betting the under because then, like you said, you're sitting there hoping for them not to score. So like, what's the point? But I mean, if you want to make money, I mean. 
I'm no expert, but I think that's the way to go. I agree. We're, we're the, I'm the same tier. I'm not a betting expert or anything like that. I'm just a guy, which um, that was a really weird snap. I uh, Man, the, this Raiders offensive line has not been looking that good tonight. There was a one snap earlier, which I we blanked over because you were talking, but then now there's a false start on them. Oh, yeah. man, this Raiders offensive line is a problem. Um, not good. But no, I'm not a uh, I'm not a betting expert either. I'm just I'm just giving the advice of what I think will happen. And if you go and bet the under because of this, if Tommy or I get vicious tweets saying I bet the under and I've listened to you, I'm just gonna go. Oh, okay, cool. You didn't have to listen to me. I'm just giving my advice on what I think will happen. Okay. First of all, speaking of the bad offensive line, I'm sure you'll see it here in a second. Um, yeah, if if I get any tweets, you're blocked. So. <laughs> get out of here i'm not hearing any negativity because i'll be losing money with you so we're all in this together pal yeah i love that we're all in this together pal. man just man pernell mcphee just blew that offensive lineup from the right that was bad oh leatherwood two on justin houston oh okay spoiler alert the uh the punt returner muffed the kick there and i had a little freak out he got it back though sorry okay oh duvernay (laughs) Was that Duvernay? Uh, may have been Devin Duvernay. Let's let me just see this. Yeah, it looks like Duvernay. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's Duvernay. Oh yeah. Um. <laughs> God, I guess oh. we're delaying the inevitable here. So I'll just listen. <laughs> it's. I need to say my piece here, and then whatever. You do I you, just, man. It's it's exhausting. It's horrible. It's like disgusting. Makes my stomach hurt. Makes my head hurt. But <laughs> this is this is being a Bears fan. So I mean, if it's not one thing, it's the other. We finally get some hope in Justin Fields, and our coach decides, hey, we're gonna like just screw the fans and. Oh, here we'll we'll give him some snaps, and he'll run it in for a touchdown, and everyone will be happy. But then, at the end of the game, when you know there's one drive left and the game's way passed over, God forbid we put Fields in to get him some snaps. I, Nagy, Phil, I think everyone. I mean, I've said this before, but everyone's got to be gone. Obviously, not including like Fields, guys like that, but Allen Robinson's uh, agent responded to someone on Twitter. Um, I forget who it was. It was some TV personality, I believe, tweeted like three-word three review for the Bears game, go. And Allen Robinson's agent replied like 16 more games or whatever. So there's very clearly like dissension in the locker room, which is the one thing that I've really given credit to Nagy for is there's never been really any public fall aparts even when, you know, we went on a five-game losing streak or we embarrassingly lost here, embarrassingly lost there. So that's starting to fall apart, it would seem. And you saw Justin Fields. That kid did not take his helmet off for a single second on the sideline. All he wants to do is come in and play football and help the team. And, you know, I get we paid Dalton the money and the whole idea, the stupid storyline that they're putting out there is, oh, well – you know, 
we got to have him sit behind Dalton because, oh, Mahomes sat his first year and Brady sat and Roger sat. It's like, okay, they weren't sitting behind Andy Dalton. Like, no disrespect to Andy Dalton, as Big Cat says, nice guy, like him. But it's just, there's so much of this naggy and pace or putting these little feelers out, I'm sure, into the media. And the media saying, oh, yeah, you know, they're doing the right thing because Fields this and Dalton that. No, like they're trying to say that they want to be competitive, which, first of all, that's not true. Um, Second of all, like if you really want to be competitive, why are you playing Andy Dalton when, to me, Justin Fields does pretty much everything better than Dalton? And obviously he's raw. He's going to make mistakes, but they're not going to compete at the end of the day. So who cares? They need like as much goodwill as they can possibly get because most Bears fans already want them out. They want the house completely cleaned and they're just giving us more ammo at this point, which doesn't make any sense to me because they're getting chased out of town already. Maybe they're just saying like, screw it. You know, we're going to screw the fans one more time, but it's just, you know, it's, it's so frustrating the way that, you know, players are being treated. The fans are being treated indirectly. I, it's starting to fall apart and it's tough because, you know, we had that one great year where everyone was convinced, oh, Mitch is leading us to the Super Bowl. And as we do in our dumb Bears fan brains, but it's just, it sucks to see it collapse from that into, you know, whatever it is that we watched last night. And really, I mean, <laughs> the end of the day, like I said at the beginning, it's uh, just waking up and another week of being a Bears fan and hoping that maybe we get to see Justin Fields on six snaps instead of five next week. So, I mean, I like, I just, at this point, obviously I'm going to watch all the games, but last night kind of numbed me up a whole lot because, you know, now we really know what this team is and obviously they're not always going to look that bad, but it's it's time for pretty much everything to change. And it's, to me, been time. The only question now is, is the organization going to make the move? Probably not, but they need to, man, because it's not getting any better the way I see it. And I don't know. It just, it sucks because we all want it. We all want positivity, but we go into the game and we're like, oh, you know, big you know, primetime game, maybe we'll shock the world, all this, and we just get beat down like we did. It's just, it's time for every, everyone to go and, you know, give Fields the reins and let him do whatever he does. If he sucks, whatever. But to me, I would much rather see Justin Fields, like, suck than Andy Dalton go in and do, like, just okay. It's, I don't know, it's infuriating. And I guess... I'm really repeating myself. So at this point, it's, it's you know, rant over. But just basically give Justin Fields the reins, and that's it. Please and thank you. Well, you know what? That's what, that's what I'm here for. That's like it's – it's this moral pain and suffering is why we're fans of this game. It's like obviously I know you're, you're a Cubs fan. You're, I don't know how much of a Bulls fan you are, but I know you're a Cubs fan. You're a Hawks fan. And obviously you guys experience the highs with them. But – that's the thing with football where like with those other sports, like say for example, if the Hawks lose on Monday night, you know, Hey, Wednesday night or even Tuesday night, there's another game. 
now with football, it's one game, and then the next game, it's you got to wait another week. You got to wait and see what happens. You don't know what's going to happen. That's just the whole. Like I say this too. Regular season, eighty-two games, one hundred and sixty-two. Name the sport. The regular season anxieties as the Baltimore Ravens, as Hollywood Brown just gets a touchdown, um, as that, as that, those anxieties, excuse me, come back. Um, those don't exist for the regular season until like you're pushing for the playoffs, like now with baseball or in like late March, early April for uh, hockey or basketball. Football, you experience anxiety going into every single game because every game can make or break your season. And that's, that's what I love about it. And that's what I loved about you being able to get all that off your chest. Because for one, you probably feel better now. And for two, it's just knowing, like, look, now you go into next week being like, hey, it may not go our way, but at the same time, too, you have that little bit of faith where you're like, hey, all may go well. And that's what what keeps bringing you around. And that's honestly, that's a good football fan right there. And I respect you for that, Tommy. I appreciate that. Yeah, like you said, it's, it's nice to be able to, you know, talk it out and go to my little football therapy session here because last night was just, you know, me and my dad giving each other dirty looks and like, oh, my God, we're really doing this again. And what are we doing? All this stuff. But at the end of the day, you know, we're football fans and we're still going to be watching next week. We're still going to be rooting for the Bears. And like you said, there's always that glimmer of hope that maybe everything will be OK, which it won't. But maybe you never know. <laughs> you, know you, you, you nailed it on the head. That, that's all I got to say. Um, I think we're about to wrap up here. I don't think we we have much more to add. But yeah, no, that's it's that's, that's that's the thing. Like, look, you get it off your chest. You realize, look, just like Jay Z said, on to the next one. That's all you got to do. Like, you're on to you guys. I was joking about to say you're on, we're on to Cincinnati, but you're on to Cincinnati. I'm on to New York. Like, and at the same time, too, you just got to realize it's just a game. At the end of the day, like, it doesn't affect the way we live our lives, but it's a right. a part of our lives that look. Sometimes we're happy. Sometimes we're sad. Sometimes we're mad. Sometimes we're glad. But at the end of the day, God damn it, we're glad to be football fans. Mm-hmm. Like, I, like I, just, I just had to go on and say that, like, oh, man, like, even yesterday watching the game, like, just the games in general, it just felt so good. It was just, like, all is right with the world. Like, I saw a meme of, like, the world burning down, and then all I saw was Will Ferrell just yelling, yelling, and I just said, like, the world right now, me, yay, football. <laughs> That's pretty much, yeah. That's pretty much it. That's all we got going for, going for us right now. And by the way, um, I also got a, a Reddit alert on my phone because someone on Patriots Reddit posted a photo of, you know, the, the Ralph Wiggum "I'm in danger" photo. Yes. Someone took Ralph's head and then put Zach Wilson's head on top of it, and just says, okay. facing Matt Jude on next week, chuckles, "I'm in danger." <laughs> yeah. So once this goes off the air, I'm going to take that to Patriots Twitter and just be like, "Well, look at this." That's about to blow up. Oh, I don't doubt it for a second. I, I might, you know what? I'm going to put that into the stratosphere right now. Actually, as I look at my phone, I get uh, as I have texts from uh, yeah, uh, Ryan Falcon texts me saying Lamar is ridiculous, and yes, he is because he just made a really good play. And they're actually, and then the moment like we were talking about before, they're up fourteen nothing right now. So, oh, if I had to give a final score prediction for the end of this game, I'm going to say. Would it be cruel if I said 28 to 3? Would I be cruel? Say, like, I know I'm a Pats fan, but I'm going to say it. This game ends at 28 to 3. I was going to say 24 to 3, maybe 24 to 6. 
somewhere around there. But yeah, I mean, that certainly not out of the realm of possibility, man, the way this is going. Yeah. You know what? It's that's you're right. Cause the Raiders offense isn't getting anything done. And I said this, or I said this also in our AFC preview show as well. I think this is Derek Carr's last year with this team. Yeah. And do they, I forget, I'm not up on the Raiders. Do they have like a, some guy in the, in the wings waiting or no? Uh, Marcus Mariota. So I think they're drafting someone next year because next year's draft, there's a lot of guys that are going to be coming out, but they're not going to be like, they're not like this year where it's like, you know, the cream of the crop prospects. It's going to be like those guys you can get in like the mid to late first round and stuff. And that's probably the Raiders will be drafting like in the, probably the top, top end to the middle of the first round. So they could probably get somebody in there and just bring it in because I know Gruden likes to kind of control these guys on his own. Or for all we know, Gruden makes a play to Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> Boy, that would be something. Oh, God. You just imagine that Rodgers in the black and silver. Bring it on. Anything but the green and gold. <laughs> I just saw a wild rumor, too, saying the New York Giants for Aaron Rodgers. But at the same time, too, I was just like, you know what? I would like, I would love and hate that because obviously we know – we know Giants fans, but at the same time too, I'm just like, hey, gets them out of the gets them out of your division, and it get and it avoids my conference. So that's all I care about. There you go. Hey, it works for everyone, other than Packers fans. So that makes me happy. <laughs> and that's what you love to see. Damn right. Yeah. Well, anyway, folks, I think it's gonna wrap it up here for episode. Oh, I gotta look it up because I'm a dumbass. Uh, episode 108 of YWC Football Talk. Um, Tommy, it was a blast getting to talk to you. We'll have to do this again sometime. Maybe do predictions next time instead of uh, playing therapist. Or you know what? Maybe next time we're on in here, it's a victory Monday for both you and I. Hey, you know, thanks for having me. Obviously, wasn't the most fun episode, but I'm a Bears fan, so that's what it is. Yeah, hopefully next time is, like you said, either a victory Monday or, you know, I'd be down to do a preview, be a little more happy and chipper of here we go. So, yeah, thanks for having me. No problem. I think we're going to call this episode Bear Down. Like, not like the emojis where it's just like bear down, just like bear down. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I'm that sorry to do it, but I feel like that's just an appropriate title for this. Because I also realize this, too, whenever you, you and I actually come on and talk, the first time you were depressed because it was the season that ended and you didn't know what was going to happen. Then you were all excited because of Justin Fields. Then you weren't so excited because of – and now you weren't so excited because obviously last night didn't go your way. Maybe next time you're happy. So, you know what? I'm looking forward to happy, Tommy, the next time you're on YWC Football Talk, my friend. That sounds like a guarantee to me. Thank you very much. No problem. Anyway, guys, you enjoy the rest of week one if you're watching this while the Raven, or actually, by the time this is up, the Ravens-Raiders game may not have much left in it. But, guys, enjoy week two. I'll be back on Thursday night with Big Rat for our first Daniel Jones primetime podcast. But anyway, guys, hope you enjoyed week one, and I'll see you at week two. Have a good night. Do, did, will, the Story of People podcast is now available on the Cryer Media Network. The first five episodes are here and feature some incredible guests that fit into one or all three of those categories. Ready? Tara Sloan from the San Jose Sharks, Undercurrent Podcast at NBC Sports. Marianne Iveson from Iveson Voice and the Let's Take This Outside podcast to talk about the world of outdoors as well as voiceover land. Ariana Hunsicker, future Canadian Paralympic swimmer, already winning tons of awards for this country. Scott McGregor from the Hot Wallet podcast to dumb down the world of crypto, Bitcoin, and NFTs so you don't have to. And Jackie Holowaty from Climate Pledge Arena in Seattle, Washington, the first net zero carbon certified arena on the planet. 
wherever you get your pods, wherever you watch your pods, and on the Cryer Media Network. I'm Jeff Woods, and I'm shining a light on music and the rock stars who make it. He just was one of those people. He, he stood out. He was a magic guy. He really was a magic guy. All, we all have force. He had the same amount of force as we all have. This was before Led Zeppelin. Robert was full on. I mean, he was Led Zeppelin without the band behind him. He had the hair, the jeans, the whole thing, you know. And he was amazing. The Records and Rockstars podcast heard around the world and yours to hear wherever you get podcasts. All the episodes from JeffWoodsRadio.com.